0: Podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson, and me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hey, mean, man. It, I'm good. How are you, Kate? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> did you say how are you, man, or did I hear? I that said loud? hey. No. I just give
0: you a hey, but I <laughs> do <laughs> like to know how you are.
1: <laughs> oh boy, um, we got the giggles when we. We we're right at the top of the show. It's <laughs> it's funny because we haven't seen each other in per we well full disclosure we did do a safe photo shoot with our good friend Clay Larson. Yeah. Uh, once those are available, we'll share it with our listeners and our followers. But like that was the first time we had really seen each other since, yeah. since quarantine. Really,
0: it felt crazy. Yeah,
1: it was wild. And but it's interesting because we've been doing everything remotely now. Uh, since back on on the quarantine episodes and i'm out of california and i i feel f- even further away from you even though we never we're not in a room when we record together yeah
0: <laughs> and it
1: feels it feels nuts because <laughs> i'm in utah i'm back to my uh hometown just visiting my mom so it's like Who are we you gonna-? must
0: just feel so isolated i mean just being in a after having like moved out of a parent's home for a while and then going back, it's a weird, lonely feeling. I think it is
1: a very strange because you did have like like I had a very good relationship with my mom when I right before I moved to LA and to pursue yeah. my dreams, and that very much like we didn't have a falling out. It's not like a a story of that or anything. It's right. just that I went and started a new life. So coming yeah. back is always like I I, I mean I would I. I wonder what she felt me leaving. I was the last of her kids to leave, but it's just different now. You know what I mean? You come back yeah. and they're like super into church, and I'm like so removed from that. And oh yeah, like okay, well
0: I love you, but I don't know what. What do we talk about here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get you really start to, and even like the little things of like, the little nuances of living in the other place. It's like I don't I don't have opinions about the strip malls that are in your town anymore. I got my own strip malls to worry about over here. You know, just, like, little
1: stupid shit. And a lot of shit that's gone. There's, like, stuff that I was, like, remembering when I was here, where, like, there's a mall where I used to go. I've mentioned the comic book store on here, Night Flight Comics. That mall is completely demolished.
0: Damn. like, oh, I was, like, sad.
1: Yeah, and I was telling my mom, I was, like, you used to come to this, take me to this mall, and I would... Go up to Night Flight. I would. That's my was my chance to go to the comic book store. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's like, are you in your childhood home right now? Or are you like? Yeah, because I grew the, up in the
1: same home. They the the year I was born, they bought this house.
0: that I made. Oh, okay.
1: So I grew up in the same house. My other brothers had multiple houses.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: here's the thing: Have you ever been to a house? Ha- I don't know if you have this, but I've been to like somebody's house that I know once. And their bedroom has not changed. If anything, it's become like a shrine for them. Their parents are like, revere them. And they're like, here's all their medals. Here's all their, like, everything. Are they like an only child? Maybe they are, or they have like one other child. But I remember going like, holy shit. This person's parent loves them. Or just like, they're just like, this is their room forever. You know what I mean? Like it's locked. It's like it's frozen in place from the point where they left. And it's only become... That's wild. So, like a museum to them. And I was like, that's wild. And this is different than I, because the minute.
0: The moment your foot left the door. 100%. Because, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I definitely
1: moved down to the basement because the brothers were in the basement. And then I lived up. I, my bedroom was upstairs.
0: The basement's the coolest room for yeah. a teen to have. Hell yeah. You got to be in the basement.
1: You can sneak out, sneak back in, get up to. Watch pornography without your
0: parents finding. Yeah, you, <laughs> you don't have to be scared. Know, you can
1: hear it. them coming. Even though I got caught. More. Oh wait, I got on, caught. Record- I got caught so many times looking at
0: fucking. That sucks. Stuff. That's the worst. But
1: I had like a black wall, like an accent wall that I wanted in my bedroom, and
0: th- black.
1: Yeah, I had a black accent
0: wall. Sick.
1: And, <laughs> and um and I you know I made my room my my whatever I gave it what it, my my flair I guess I don't know. yeah the minute the minute i moved out they fucking they took that wall away they packed they like it became like a guest room like moments after leaving there was no hesitation it was like that's amazing put your shit the shit that that like i left they just put it in a closet and they're like you got to go through that (laughs) (laughs) there's none of that like (laughs) here's a here's a museum for you none of that bullshit
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Did they what about any of the extra shit that like did you have a lot of extra shit when you moved out that was still in your parents' house like they just put it in bins or something and put it somewhere? Yes, and I have to
1: I'm this visit back now that my my parents went on a road trip. I was here for like a week with my mom and then they're going back to my mom's hometown and they left this morning and I'm now in the house alone. Party. <laughs> and I'm going to go through my closet <laughs> and actually clear out my stuff and go through it so they don't have to deal with it in the future. Yeah. But there's a bin around here. And if you remind me before I get off mic near the end of the episode, if we if we want, <laughs> uh, there's a bin full of Spawn toys somewhere in this. Oh,
0: fuck. Yeah. I,
1: did, I have some. I in, do want to see them. I have a couple in L.A. that I like selected, but they're all they're not yeah. they're not in packages anymore. I was, right. I opened all mine.
0: Oh yeah. No, we, if, if I had a McFarlane toy, I ripped that thing open and started playing with it. Yeah. But
1: there's somewhere in this basement in a bin <laughs> wrapped up probably like, yeah. like in tissue paper. I think I wrapped them all up in and packed them away
0: to preserve them. Yeah. And
1: I'm like, do you, uh, Kate, maybe somebody out there can tell us if they want to, but and help me out. Do people
0: buy open toys? Because I want to get rid of them probably. I'm from no, you because like- I'm crazy. And I want to make Jessica mad. She th- I love she's it. like, you have a lot of toys. <laughs> she's not like, she doesn't say it in a way well, that's like these need to go, but it's like, it's certainly something that's like, if I came home with a bunch more. And I'm on like eBay looking at chat. She was like, Why do you have why are you looking for nightcrawler toys? And like nightcrawler from the X-Men and i was like i don't know i'm just look it's like soothing just to see them and look is is that crazy i love it um <laughs> i love it
1: well i'll pull them up and I'll, I'll, maybe we'll do it at least if not i mean maybe we'll do a little bit of it on mic if i remember if we if, yeah if, if i remember at the end of this recording
0: i'll remind I, you
1: either way i can pull a bunch out because i gotta <laughs> try to see what how i can get them home too because I'm flying home, and I'm like, "How can I yeah, get the a a boys home?
0: Just duct tape it uh, shut, and then have it be your carry-on. I have to ship. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be ridiculous. Uh, just tape a skateboard just, in I the I bottom of it. I don't think.
0: I think if I Put ship it on it, an airplane,
1: <laughs> wow. Well, you just solved the problem.
0: You're welcome, Dave.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey, thank you. Enough said. (laughs) But yeah, uh, it's fun being here. I'm drinking Folgers coffee. I was telling you, I was like, you're the first uh, person that ever French pressed
0: some Folgers. Why bother? Don't ever do it. It,
1: It's bullshit. And I had to microwave the water because my parents don't actually drink coffee or have like a or tea.
0: My mom. My mom, dude, she makes a pot of coffee in the morning, and then she just microwaves it all day. And I just wanted to say, the best part of waking up. Is in your, cup. In your cup. Such a good jingle. <laughs> this is probably maybe
1: one of the goofiest <laughs> yeah. starts of our show. You're I all mean, hopped up on Folgies. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Folgies are getting me going. But that being <laughs> hopped up on Folgies, that gets me red. Right. <laughs> Yeah. That gets me ready for our first segment. Once again, I'm calling Homemade Hell. Homemade Hell.
0: Have like tool sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) I love it.
1: And then I'm just throwing like a Tim (laughs) Allen. (laughs) I don't know. We're good. What are we doing? uh, We're fine. (laughs) We're great, but I just wanted to briefly talk about and give a shout out. I don't know how many people were behind it. They definitely had a little small crew, but a big shout out to Hellboy fan film 2020. You can literally go onto YouTube and Google Hellboy fan film and you'll find it from Nut Allergy Productions. Just a big shout out to the director, Ryan Kessler, who also plays Hellboy in the, and uh, his co-writer Thomas Jockies, uh, Jock, uh, Thomas Jock or Jockies. I pr- probably <laughs> I'm going to stop saying names. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we. Wa- I watched it. I think we both watched it this morning. Yeah, because I was with my mom, so I didn't. I didn't. When it got released on the second, I just did not have yeah. a chance to sit down and watch it. And I watched it this morning before we recorded. Great job, guys! It's, it's totally really fun to watch like a uh, a backyard production. That's what I'm gonna call it. It feels like you just got your friends together and did it.
0: And it's just so <laughs> impressive to finish a movie that you make in that way, like. It's just completely something that, you know, you can just tell it was something that they just like love the subject matter. I was looking at their YouTube; they have like a Spider Man movie too that I'm probably gonna check out after this. Like they have a bunch of different movies to like motivate enough of your friends at like because they they look pretty young. I don't know what their age is, but I bet you they're none of them are older sure. than twenty five. Yeah,
1: I would be surprised if they were like our our. I mean, my age at least. I don't. Uh... Want to out your age, you know?
0: I I mean I don't give a shit. I'm 32. I'm like, and yeah, yeah I'm 37, hell of bro, yeah, dude. <laughs> so yeah, I think like no age. It's from hard here. to even you know even like us like we know like a bunch of people in sketch comedy and stuff and people who do this kind of shit for a living like editors and stuff like that it's all right it's hard to make a movie with people who even do it professionally even if you're doing something like fun on the side and everybody's like yeah let's do it and then your schedules are all fucked i guess like having jobs makes it like i assume some of them have jobs yes. but being like a student maybe you have like a little bit more time to dedicate to it but it's still fucking hard it's hard to wrangle your friends to do some shit like this and they they were so like ambitious and had like cool shots and crazy special effects at the end and stuff. Yeah, very. Fun. I loved the like shimmery effect of like. Well, I don't want to like spoil it. I guess if people are gonna go watch it. On uh, well, yeah,
1: on the the the. I mean, well, on the we'll, one we'll creature, yeah. The, what the creature the other creature that's, that's not right. Hellboy, yeah. I thought that effect was yeah. cool too that they put on him. That was cool. It was very fun. I think what I found really fun was to like watch something that's it's a a fan film and sort of like tonally sort of try to figure out or it would remind me of things. And I was like, I wonder if they're inspired by this because the Hellboy was very Ron Perlman Hellboy and a little bit of the Dave Harbour. But it was mainly I was like, this is the This is definitely the like the cinematic Hellboy, Right. right? Especially with the agents sort of being like, "Oh, I don't trust right, her." Right, right. <laughs> I was like, "This is this is from the movie," but then it was like they definitely infused and did their own take on a character from the comics yeah. in it.
0: Liz seems to be a, I guess, a housewife or a girlfriend. in this. She has quit <laughs> <I> in this <laughs> in this reality. She's quit. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Fuck spoilers. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch it, like, just watch it.
1: Yeah, just watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Liz has like quit the BPRD, and she's like living presumably in an apartment or home with a Hellboy outside. Like, she's doing something else. She doesn't say what she's doing, but she's like, that job gets to you and, you know. But then she goes and does help Hellboy in the end. So it's their own cinematic universe. It's their own take on it. There's the Del Toro movie. There's the 2019 movie. And then there's the Hellboy fan film. Yeah.
1: I was equating it to what Tad Stones told us, how he's like, there's Mignola Hellboy, there's Guillermo's Hellboy, there's Tad Stones Hellboy, and now uh, there's the Nut Allergy Hellboy. Yeah, the Nut Allergy or Ryan Kessler yeah. Hellboy, <laughs> which is very yeah. funny. And they did a good job. Oh, yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was fun to watch what they decided to like focus on. There was a couple of good, some fun shots in there that I was like, oh yeah, cool. You know? What yeah, I mean?
0: totally. And they had like good action. Like they must be like. A couple of them must be like into martial arts or some shit. Cause they were like good at fighting. That stuff's that stuff's hard to do. I think the main Hellboy guy,
1: he got he, he had a fun Hellboy yeah, I liked take on yeah. Hellboy beans. Yeah, he had a good tone behind him. I have one criticism I'm gonna say on Mike. Buy a boom, mic. Oh <laughs> that's all I asked them. You
0: don't know what they're man, working with. Maybe their have... equipment. You don't know.
1: I don't know what, I don't know what they're working with, but I was like, I wish I could hear this slightly better because I'm enjoying it enough. That was all I wanted was just give me a a little crisper sound and then I'm going to be I'm going to be golden.
0: Well, you're the cinephile. I was watching it like, oh, this is I am a great. cinephile. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a son of a
1: bitch is what I am. <laughs> but uh, Can, can that, we get some good said, coffee
0: around work. here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: but regardless of that dumb criticism I have of just wanting a little bit of better sound.
0: It's not dumb. It's like the kind of thing that their teacher would tell them. Of. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, but regardless, I mean, I watched all 27 minutes. It wasn't like it stopped me from watching it. Yeah. So keep it up, guys. Make more of your fan films.
0: Let's see what you do next. Keep it up. That's so, ex- it's so, it's just exciting. It's really cool to watch people, yeah, make something just for the love of it. And like, it's awesome. Yeah. Kudos Hell yeah. to yeah. And then
1: our next segment up is Hell to Pay. How much money are you willing to drop to be the biggest Hellboy fan <laughs> ever? <laughs> this coffee's really getting me. Yeah. <laughs> Turning into a morning DJ. Every Dave is clinging to the ceiling <laughs> like a scared
0: cat in a cartoon. Yes,
1: ah! <laughs> First thing that we're going to discuss in Hell to Pay. Well, this is really coincidental. Our our regular emailer and listener Drew Campbell simultaneously with Kate. Kate sent me on Instagram a, like a message that was a link to this, and then um. Drew Campbell sent an email to our our Aw Crap a Hellboy podcast email. Literally at the same time you oh, and really him notified me of this heroesandvillains.com. These new apparel t-shirts. Um, they're pretty fucking cool designs. Yeah, I like them. What do you think of them, Kay? Yeah,
0: I like them a lot. I I I I want I have owned so many t-shirts, but I do want more t-shirts always. I don't know. It's hard.
1: I do, too. Like, I want t-shirts. I just really, like, right now, I probably just don't have the money to buy these. Right. Uh, They're, like, 30, 30 to, they range from 25 is the hat that they have that says Un Rama. The
0: one was like 40 bucks and I was like, I can't do it. I if I buy a $40 t-shirt, I'll be be mad at myself. Yeah. They're really cool though. I
1: think that if there was one I was gonna buy. Like if I could only choose one, I would probably go with this wake the devil black long sleeve. I just like the art that they just like I like I like the I like the text. I like the font they're using for On Rama. I like this the, the the illustration of Hellboy like holding like a cross about to like bat something, <laughs> like like he's gonna send some demon back to hell with a home run hit. <laughs> I really like that one a lot. I think it's cool. I mean, all of them are very cool. I just think that's the simplest for me to yeah. wear because they have a really, they have a one called Abandoned Hope. I think it's great. I just think it's not the type. Oh, except for I just swiped over right now live on the on the show. I swiped over. And I think on this one that's a Abandoned Hope black long tee, the, the back is a little busy for me, but I'd probably still wear it because I love the front. Yeah. Is that p- the pocket square that's sort of like a Mignola, small Mignola insert panel of Hellboy with his full horns. That's fucking cool. Yeah, that is cool. There's some there's a part of me that like I would love if they had, in addition to these shirts, they had like just black tees that only had that pocket square on it. Yeah. That was the only because i i i tend these days i tend to wear pretty simple shirts there's exceptions of course but for the majority it's like i'm a little uh, i'm a little boring boy
0: i know yeah i know what you mean like it's like a, I think that there's a lot of comic book stuff like that now where it's like subtler or like the pattern will be like jason inman friend of the podcast always yeah. would wear this cool like it was like a button up short sleeve button up with like the wonder woman logo on it but it's like barely different from the background color so it was very like subtle and you'd have to be like up next to him to be like oh cool (laughs) good shirt you know yeah but like if he like went to the bank people wouldn't be like look at that comic book nerd on the other end of the bank (laughs) like he could live his life
1: (laughs) that's so funny i'm fine if they know i'm a comic book nerd yeah same the other one that's like a short t on noon rama one is pretty cool too yes I like the the symmetry of that with the, those like skeleton ghosts is really cool. In this, in the cr- the skeleton with a crown on it above Hellboy's face. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I just don't. I can't afford this stuff right now. Right. But please, listeners, once again, go out there, buy it, take pictures of yourself wearing it, so we can live vicariously through our. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you have a favorite, Kate? Tell us how soft or... they are.
0: <laughs> Shit. Wait, hold on. I just closed it. Hold on one second. The
1: hat is pretty cool. If there's something I can afford to buy, it might be the hat. And it's simple enough that I think I would wear it.
0: Heroes and villains. Heroes,
1: villain. It's heroesvillains.com. Okay. The, the company is Heroes and Villains. Fuck yeah. But these are shirts are great.
0: Yeah, I'd probably be going with the uh, Anungan Rama short sleeve here. Just like nice. that's my knee jerk. I do like I do like this other one of him like holding up a with the like circular thing of him holding up the cross, yeah. To yeah, like swing it like out. a baseball bat. Yeah. I mean, probably yeah, that cool. short sleeve though. Yeah. <sighs> Thirty bucks. Okay.
1: Also if the bill wasn't curved, I'd probably buy it. Sorry guys, I it's hard for me to wear a, a curved bill. I feel like why I'm, is that? I always feel like I'm like i m I'm I'm part of a militia. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess that's true. I guess if, I don't feel a, like I'm
0: living on a ranch. As a white guy, you got to be a little more selective with your hats these days. You got to be like, what are, what are people going to think I stand for in this hat?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's very stereotypical. Stere- that's a big stereotype. But I, for some reason, I mean, I have <laughs> some ones that my dad bought me yeah. that I've exercised in. But like socially, I would never. I just I like a flat bill. so yeah. Like as presenting who I am. So.
0: That's interesting. (laughs) I guess I have a couple hats that they like vary, but I mean, I mean,
1: I that's my hang up. It's not like a thing where if I see you in a, I don't see people or other people in like bended bills and immediately go, they must be in a militia. I completely, (laughs) I
0: completely understand this because it's a subtle difference, you know, like, I feel like if you had a really in like my high school, people would wear them like really bent, like super (laughs) duper bent. I don't know. It was like a guy that would, like, go to Dave Matthews Band's concerts would, like, wear... Dave Matthews Band's concerts, you know? It was, like, a specific type of dude in my high school. (laughs) But I don't know if that applies to the world at large. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do the hat. I'm going to tell... I'm going to be honest. But that's, you know... Not to say that. Some of the stuff might be for any of our listeners. I just want like slightly less going on.
1: I hope a lot of our listeners like the stuff and they buy it.
0: They're cool though. I do like them. God damn it. I can't be on this website any longer. I'm about to fucking buy more t-shirts in my life.
1: (laughs) I can't. Well, get off right now because we have to move on to the next one. Let's do it. Okay, this comes from multiverse multiversity comics. Um, this is a quick little like edition news from Mark Tweedell, who's like the old big Mignola-versity guy over at Multiversity Comics. This is just an update, new omnibus, and it's titled uh, Mignola-versity, new omnibus edition coming May 2021. So this is just announcing that they officially are coming out with the Hellboy and the BPRD 1952 to 1954 omnibus edition. We probably will not have gotten to those by the time that gets out, but that's just cool that they're you know, a nice, cool Omnibus collection coming out for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's hardback or what, but it definitely will be something that if you're a lover of the, that run of the stories, you'll definitely want to pick up. And another thing that I love that he included here, Tweedell he did is at the end, he just gave dates of c- upcoming releases for Hellboy going from October 7th through May 12th up until the because May 12th is when that Omnibus edition of that is coming out. But we have a lot, some stuff coming, which is Witchfinder Volume 6 is coming out in October 7th. A new book called Norse Mythology, number one that Mignola is working on. I believe that's Neil Gaiman's thing. October 28th, we got Hellboy and the BPRD, the return of Effie Cope number two. we I have the first one. We've been sitting on that, waiting for number two for quite a while due to quarantine. And then Number no, excuse me, num, November 11th, is Hellboy and the BPRD the Seven Wives Club, December second, twenty twenty? Is Hellboy and the BPRD her Fatal Hour and the Sending? I haven't heard about that one, okay. so I will have to check that out. The of course uh, next year on March third, the the Quarantine Sketchbook comes out, which is awesome. They are hardback, hard coverage, by the way. These omnibuses I'm seeing right here. Cool. Um, on March tenth, twenty twenty one, BPRD the Devil You Know Omnibus Edition. I definitely think I'll be checking out the uh omnibus edition for that. Um I think I even might have already asked Secret Headquarters my comic book store to make sure I get hold of that. Nice. <laughs> cuz I cuz I wasn't reading it issue to issue. I have some of them, but I was like I'll just wait cuz that's like I believe if I I could be stand corrected, I think that is the end of BPRD. I think that's what they storyline that concludes Whoa. It, the story and people can correct me if they're if i'm wrong but they probably know better but those are all cool things for you know us comic book fans coming up check out those new hellboy stories we will in the near future i guess <laughs> i say near future but it will probably be a while <laughs> we're going we're going chronologically baby oh,
0: yeah. oh how <laughs> yeah. was the did you read but, the fearless dawn meets hellboy that you picked up
1: i haven't had a chance to read okay. it you're right. i did get it And I got the actually variant cover while I was here because I stopped by a couple of local comic book stores here in Utah while
0: I was visiting my mom. Oh, nice. I have to go grab that.
1: Yeah, I picked up all my holds the day I came back to Utah. Nice. So all my comic books, which was a pretty good stack of what I need to catch up reading, I just left on my desk at home. Yeah,
0: you don't want to get them all messed up.
1: And I was just like, I'm not going to stay up late and rush reading these. I'll just do it when I'm relaxed back home. Yeah. I like doing this thing whenever I go on a little trip like trying to visit at least one or two com- local comic book stores. That's great. Support. Yeah. And then I usually just go. If I have any, I usually just go to their, like, see what their back issues are yeah. and see if I can find any cool Hellboy or BPRD. In this visit, I found a couple that I was excited about.
0: Nice. So that's really cool.
1: But that's it for Hell to Pay, everybody. Get your t-shirts. Get excited for new releases coming in, you know. Omnibuses that are in the classy hardcovers coming in the future.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: But hey, let's move on to this week's story. Um, I'm excited to discuss and read this with you, Kate. We're going to be discussing Abe Sabian, The Drowning. Yeah, this was really cool.
0: Yeah, I'll let you take it over until it's credits and get into the story. Sure thing. Yeah, so it's uh, it's written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Jason Sean Alexander, uh, colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins and edited by Scott Alley Boo, and it was originally published between in February and June of 2008. I accidentally read this whole thing because I wasn't totally sure where the issues stopped in this like uh collected edition. <laughs> So I was like, "That's I, so." Funny. I read the whole thing, but uh, we're only gonna do part one and two right now. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoops. I'm really happy that we're getting Jason uh, Sean Alexander back, who did Art of the, the when the ships the ships pirate story. Yeah. That we covered.
0: It, uh, I, it's so creepy and awesome. Like it's such a spooky story, and you really feel like. I mean, I guess we'll get into it as we go, but it's. You feel so isolated with Abe on this island and you feel the like paranoia hitting him really hard. Like it's really eerie.
1: Yeah, I do agree with this eeriness that you're discussing. It has like a good balance and we'll probably mention this more. I love, I love, I think Stuart, the art and Stuart's coloring really creates that eeriness and it has like a cool, like a high quality uh, procedural feel to it. Yeah. And I don't mean proceed. And I don't, when I say high quality procedural, I wouldn't associate it with something like NCIS or any of the or CIS, CSI. Yeah. It's more like, it's like, it has like feel of like a procedural show, like with the lack of a better uh, example in my head right now, like a true detective.
0: Yeah. It gives that
1: kind of tone to me. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Uh, that's what I, Sort of le- gleamed.
0: Off I can of it. see um, that. Yeah, like stuff is supposed to be, you know, because you're with these other BPRD agents who are like, it's going to be dull. Like Hellboy sees all the action and we just kind of do these other side missions. Like we barely see anything. And of course, shit goes off the rails. Yeah. So yes, I can definitely, does. definitely see where you would make that comparison. It opens up with like a spooky sort of like, Poem, mercy, san- <laughs> shanty, kind of a song, yeah. you know. As we see a ship coming, like emerging from the fog, and then we hear like whoop, 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 and we see like a zeppelin with a big fucking. <laughs> what what's the English flag <laughs> called? The fucking jack. What the fuck am I thinking of?
1: Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't
0: know God what it's Damn called. it! People are like yelling. I'll look it up. Uh, let them yell. <laughs> Union Jack, Union Jack. Union Jack, there you go. Okay, it's got a huge fucking flag on it. And the like kind of eerie poem continues talking about like mariners and like the dangers of the sea and all that cool stuff. Somebody who is in the cockpit of this zeppelin descends down on a rope ladder lands like really cool on the deck all of the crew members (laughs) appear to be dead and like long dead or like starved or or something like that they look they look bad and then it's i love speaking of that i love sean
1: sean's drawing of like that that one body on that wide shot after he lands and like that body with the teeth eroding and it's like the lips are pulled back. Yeah. It's just great. It's just great ambiance like art and really sets the tone immediately after we land on this. They're
0: really cool. Like they're, the bodies are like, they're, I mean, the cheeks are all sunken in and the color is gone from their skin and it's like, they, they look bad. They look scary. You can like smell this picture, you know, you can like smell the salt and the, rotting flesh and all that shit it's like a very yeah. evocative picture it's really cool nasty <laughs> and then nasty, uh, nasty as hell and then you see the glowing light from the cockpit or what the fuck am i dude i can't
1: i, I would i would assume that's like i don't know ships very well but it seems to be a co- I love that you called it a cockpit i don't know the, dude there's not a there's no i just think it's funny that we don't know and you're caught co- and we just have to take a stab at it cuz like the captain's a chambers
0: of the ship here? I
1: I assumed it's the captain's chambers. Somebody could correct us that's more of like a a, sh- a a true uh what's the word connoisseur of ships. <laughs> but I I I would assume it's a captain's quarters of some sort or the mess, but I don't The cabin. Mean... The cabin. Oh, it's just the cabin. The a cabin. cabin. Okay.
0: Captain's cabin. Captain's cabin. There you go. There. Now I'm a genius. the quarter deck dude fuck me whatever you you don't have to know this shit Anywho's. yeah
1: i enjoyed this story without ever knowing
0: light (laughs) is emanating from the window in that door just like a creepy green which i love against dave
1: stewart's david stewart's choices are always right
0: it's like a light but it's not a warm welcoming sort of a light it's like a it's, it's like more spooky shit is in here. You get like a cool shot of like dual wielding pistols here with this guy. He <laughs> kicks down the door and, you know, it's just a gathering that you don't want to walk in on. A record scratches. <laughs> and they all look over these like six little guys like... They look like they're brothers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're all, like, like the same, same. looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they have, like, little tattoos, like, writing all over them. And uh, they appear to be hovering over a what looks like a dead man in a coffin who also has, like, similar tattoos all over his body. Our English dual-wielding pistol Pistolman is starts blasting at these guys, just opening fire. Shoots one in the head, shoots one square in the chest. He's really good at shooting pistols. He shoots the one guy who's floating and glowing. He's like glowing with that creepy green light that, that we were talking about. And that seems yeah. to, he seems to like explode and blast this guy backwards while he's, while our like, I guess I'll call him hero for lack of a better word. While our hero is like thrown to the ground, he's reaching for another pistol at his hip and one of these guys comes running up with a, I guess like a little axe or something, a little hatchet Uh, but you hear a blam from far away. He's left dead on the ground and in this like decorative beautiful box is a very old looking dagger decorated with the head of, what do they keep I guess like the black goddess is what she's referred to in as in this one, yes,
1: it it appears to look like the black goddess. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, this like Hyperborean. I mean, that's, I'm gonna make that,
1: yeah, Hyperborean.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna
1: assume it's the black goddess that we have yet to really, we have. I'm trying to like be because I know who it is, but I don't know if you it's do, and I don't want to. Not, anything. not
0: really. I mean, you, they <laughs> they sort of tell you, and like we've seen like a panel here or there, yeah. kind of explaining who she is. One of these guys who has been shot starts writing with his blood some sort of sigil or something like something, some ancient rune shit. <laughs> the hero stands with the dagger above this, what appears to be a dead man, but he ra- raises up the dagger to stab him. He stabs right through him. But it's like... goes right through the box. Yeah, like through the coffin up through the bottom, which is like <laughs> a cool angle to see. Like, it's like a great... I love the, like, brush y feel of the inking here, too. You get, like, this cool, like, feeling of how forceful the the blow was to this guy's chest. Yeah. Um, and, like, simultaneously, this other little guy is finishing drawing this sigil in blood on the floor, and the ship crashes. Like, as all this is happening, it's, like, super, super fast. Um, The ship crashes and sinks into the into the ocean, like crashes on some rocks. Then it gives you like a little tag of like 1884. So it's back in 1884. We don't see anybody come up yet. So we don't really know what's happened to anybody involved in this accident. Uh,
1: Off of just that, your first initial thought is like, oh, everybody died. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that seems to be the thing. But at least like the one guy was stabbed, which is probably good for humanity. I don't know. Can't say. Then, meanwhile, Bureau for the Paranormal Research and Defense headquarters, uh, 1981. BPRD agents. We have like Tom,
1: right? Yeah, I think it's Tom, and I think it's I. Don't, it's definitely not Broom because Broom comes in. It's just some other yeah, like, like another agent, head of the BPRD. Yeah, yeah, a department head or something. I they're guess they're sort
0: of talking about I mean. whether Abe is like ready to go on this mission by himself or not. Yeah, and Broom's like, Oh yeah, yeah, he's ready. Send him with this other guy. He's a Navy SEAL. Like he can handle it. Uh, You know, he's not our pet. He's a he's a man. And then it cuts to him, to Abe reclining, like resting in his tank, like the equivalent of his bed, basically in a room stacked with books.
1: But uh, I want to point out real quick, which I really liked here. Two things before we move on to it, because I think this next scene with Liz is actually really one of the highlights, I think, is I I agree, dude. I totally agree. The writing is like different from what we got in the Hellboy books. But I think Mignol is doing a great job of really picking the tone in his writing to match Jason's art. Yeah. Uh, Jason, Sean Alexander's art. Like, I think he's he's hitting a balance. And I actually think he's doing really good with exposition not being flat. It really feels like it's informing us of character and stuff. Yeah. As we go, rather than just feeling like fucking boring information. And what I love in this page where Broom walked in and there's like the, the panel that has Abe in the tank right below. I love all this information that broom says, he says, Halboy has been gone for more than a year. We have no idea when he'll be back coming back. And it is not fair to keep, keep Mr. Sabian prisoner here until he does. He's not a pat. He's a gentleman. Like you said, Kate. And I love that because then that has an asterisk. And this is the first time we've had reference to the novel, the first novel Ever in our comic book reading yeah. um, right here. I love this. It says the asterisk says from seven, 1979 to 1981, Hellboy took a leave of absence from the BPRD to travel with archaeologist Anastasia Bransfield. We have not heard her name until since we read the book. Yeah. So, but I love that like that's like a cool way to be like that officially that book is canon. That character's canon. And it's interesting because he walks away from the BPRD, but this is saying, like, he's also taken breaks in the past, which is adding other, like, things to him and his relationship with the whole bureau. Yeah. But I don't know. I just want... I wanted to call it out because I think that's cool. Yeah. It gives him
0: depth, even though he doesn't really appear in the story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm assuming him and Anastasia are just fucking...
0: Gallivanting, dude. (laughs) They're canoodling somewhere. (laughs) But then I... You can continue because I love this... I
1: think this scene with Liz... It's just, it's simple, but just deep in relationship. And like, I love it. Totally.
0: Yeah. I like even her, her waking Abe up by just kind of tapping like blip on the top of the like liquid in his tank. Yeah. You know, just to like wake him up gently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the exchange just feels so natural and still gets information across. Like, uh, they were yeah. buzzing you. I told them I needed a speaker in my tank. What did I tell you, man? They're cheap. <laughs> Like, it feels very <laughs> natural. Like, it feels like something somebody would actually say, which, like, doesn't always happen in comic books, you know? Yeah. And I think Mignola's has always been, like, pretty good at that, although he's, like, so self-deprecating in his intros and, you know, afterwards <laughs> yeah. and shit. Um, But I think he's... He would disagree with us. He's always been good at it, but I think it's it's really shining in this exchange with, between Liz and, and Abe. They do a great job. And I love Jason Sean Alexander is really good at these... Like, he's good at, like, the cool fights. And, like, we had, like, the cool, like, dual-wielding pistol, like, gestures and stuff like that. But I really love Abe's sort of, like, just floating in his tank, uh, his, like, pose here. Uh, Same with Liz. Like, she's, it's like a teenage Liz. She's, like, just hanging with her, like hip out and like uh, her head to the side like I told you they're cheap Like you get like a sense of who these people are through his uh, the gestures that he gives to them in these drawings it's really great I agree with
1: you 100% and I think that's why I mean I previously liked Jason uh, when he did the art for the other story we read with again our friend uh, Alex being a guest on that episode but uh, particularly that one you're saying with Liz with her hip out as they're talking with great natural dialogue I love I love the pose that he's given Abe, the way he floats in his tank yeah. to talk to Liv. Yeah. It's just so relaxed and natural.
0: Uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> like, nothing feels, like, even though they're just standing there, nothing feels static or stiff about it. It's just yeah. very alive characters like uh, it's really really great yeah so they're they're kind of talking like hey uh like oh we could finally work together I wish I got to go to Texas about these animal mutilations quick little shot of an animal mutilation I guess it's probably too dry for Abe to go to that to the middle of Texas or something yeah (laughs) and I love that that's like
1: a, a thing I've always liked about Mignola is being able to throw in one panel like that or have his artists do a one panel that just Gives us enough information about what they said. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel like he's just repeating what he said yeah. It's like, they're going here, but then it's just giving, like, one shot that explains, oh, that's what that is. Right. <laughs> and it lets us
0: fill in a lot. It feels like you can, like, hear the flies buzzing around this picture, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so... And you can kind of feel like Abe is sort of asking like, oh, what did, what did the professor say? Like he's kind of hesitating to talk to the professor. Liz is like, just go talk to him. He doesn't bite. You know, we'll, we'll we'll catch up later. And he says like, okay, really small in this big speech bubble. Like you could tell he's just sort of still like meek. He's a little hesitant to talk to him at all. To even talk to the professor, like let let alone go on a mission by himself. Like he's been there for a couple of years, but you get the sense that he still doesn't maybe doesn't totally feel at home here or anywhere because he's like, I was found in a tube. I don't know what the fuck I am. But also like, yeah, just yeah, he he probably feels very other in this world. And it's cool to see a connection with Liz, who probably felt the same way until it's like coming to the BPRD. You see that there are other people who are so vastly different, basically like fucking mutants, you know?
1: Yeah, 100
0: percent. Yeah. And it's,
1: I like that they, I love that what you're touching on. Then when he goes and sees Broom, he, he keep, again, the simplicity of writing is really done well because it's like, he just, he doesn't waste time with anything. And I love that his greeting, the greet, the way broom greets Abe is so telling about, gives him such character. Yeah. Like other, I mean, besides the like the room that he's in and that one panel shows that he's just like once again he's just surrounded by artifacts right always <laughs> That's room for you yeah and then but i love how abraham's like my boy have a seat it's just like he's like you know what I mean? he's older now it seems to be like he's not completely old like when we first met him yeah and he's not young like we just read in 1946 but he just has like that english sort of very welcoming demeanor with this guy this fish man who's been with him for just two years
0: yeah yeah he's like he's like very warm and smiling although in these first couple panels too like his back is to abe like it feels like abe is still trying to like just in the in drawing wise like regardless of what they're even saying it seems like abe is trying like he's he's also drawn smaller than broom like broom is sort of either standing Uh above him or in the foreground where Abe Abe is drawn smaller in the background just makes it it still lends itself to like Abe feels small in this situation. Abe is sitting in this situation. Like they're very like well thought out compositions for for, for that also like inform us subconsciously, even like, even if you're not thinking about this shit, if you're just reading it quickly, you still kind of see that it's like, um, uh what the fuck am I trying to say? Like uh uh like who has the power in this in this situation? Like For sure. Um you know Yeah, like status. Yeah, status. Like uh Broom is definitely higher status and than him in this in in these scenes. But then he like Broom does sit and try to make them on equal ground and like tries to reassure Abe, you know, you're going to go on this thing alone and it's going to be like A-OK. And he We're also, sure. like, uh commends Abe for d- reading and doing his homework, actually. He's like, who's this? Oh, that's Sir Edward Grey. Oh, cool. Like, Hellboy never reads the book. <laughs> I love that, like, that sort of, like, diss on Hellboy. <laughs> yeah it's like it's like oh my 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 son he doesn't do any of the fucking homework but he's a good guy <laughs> yeah. it's really real it's really like a refreshing thing to have somebody actually read this shit i have all these books for a reason
1: <laughs> yeah it's like you're the son i i always wanted
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he's uh, sort of talking really about bad. sir edward gray here where rumor has that they had a falling out over the decision to suppress the identity of jack the ripper like talking about Edward Gray and Queen Victoria, like just giving us a little bit of backstory on him, And then they sort of talk about uh, Epke Vroomen, Dutch warlock who was tried in Holland in 1883, but when they put the noose around his neck, it turned into a bundle of sticks and blew away. And then a nice little insert of just a little bundle of sticks in the air. Yeah, Yeah, so he's kind of just like filling Abe in. There's this, it's like a top secret shit that has come up (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) sorry, I'm like, Basically, like, Broom has heard about this dagger and is like, we got to go check that out. You want to check it out? It's going to be
1: really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think mainly what he's like, he's pretty much saying, like, what what Grey used to do is mainly f- considered, is was always still considered top secret. Like, yeah. the government was like, British government's like, we don't talk about that, it's top secret, it's not out. And then they found this journal that mentions this, like, rare book, market they found it it's mostly eligible eligible but we do find references to this room that gray discovered him living in london that he fled by ship and that gray caught up to him and drove him drove one of the the dat this limpu lipu daggers into his chest which we saw earlier yeah and it's interesting i mean i say limpu and that's what dave's doing is going huh what do you what do you mean And then I love this, like, again, I think it's just like, there's a lot of exposition, but it's done in such simplicity by like giving a chunk and then no dialogue, at least just quick images of like, you know, the sunken ship and the body. And he's all, yeah, from the Limpu Monastery in Tibet, around 300 BC, the story goes that one day, a bronze statue of the Hindu goddess uh, Druga told one of the monks to make these weapons, specifically for the killing of demons. He made 10 of them. One for each of her bronze arms, isn't that? I love this. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that
0: fantastic! Like, <laughs> I love Broom's
1: like enthusiasm for all yeah. this stuff. And these all my years, I've never heard of anyone who's actually seen one till now. Yeah. And then we get like, and then they, and then this is our first panel. Like next, as so we see Gray on one of those rocks, and that that uh, airship is coming to get him. So we're like, okay, he survived. <laughs> yeah it's i mean i just like all this it's just well done exposition there's so much stuff they have to fill us in to jump us into this story and they're doing it in such a smooth manner
0: totally and i guess i would assume that this is would this page be the last page of our i I don't fucking know where the first one ends and the second one begins here
1: i don't know where your collection is because mine has the chapter heading oh that's
0: nice uh when is it (laughs) Oh, it will end. Uh, I don't know what version you have. Where did you get it, dude? It's just uh, the one from Hoopla, man. It's like the oh weird. Mine is some collected Abe Sapien stories.
1: Oh, maybe you're. I have. I'm. Uh, I'm doing the Abe Sapien Volume One called The Drowned.
0: Okay. Well, just let me know when it, might, when the first chapter ends it, after he gets. Uh, keep going, and I'll tell okay, you. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, we see. Yeah, we see. Like broom continue to explain the situation like this is a very rare cool dagger that kills demons it's super great and special so it's gonna you're gonna have to just go check that out it's gonna be so great there's a little island saint sebastian not far from where the ship went down by all accounts it's isolated but unremarkable life there probably hasn't changed in 100 years and then we see the bprd chopper over this uh, small town on this island and two bprd agents are watching with binoculars as Abe and another agent go out onto the water in a small inflatable vessel and are gonna dive down to try to find this dagger. And yeah, like overlaid with like Broom talking about like, it should be a very simple operation, Abraham. Any question? You know, like, it's gonna be so cut and dry. Like, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be the easiest, best mission. <laughs> I love that they're like, he's like,
1: I guess, I guess, uh, w- w- Gray thought this guy was special. Like, they don't even know what he was what he like the things that we saw which is like sort of for us dramatic irony we saw this crazy event happen with these little like these little evil dudes with writing on their bodies but they just assume like oh it's you know we don't have details this it seems the dagger could be down there that's cool go get it yeah they don't expect danger at all
0: yeah it's gonna be easy peasy uh yeah and then so it's it's Abe and a guy in a scuba suit and I like this exchange between the BPRD, the, like, dry BPRD agents who are on land just, like, waiting and hanging out. Yeah. Like, uh, they're down there for at least an hour. What What do you want to do? Do? Look at this place. Where's the worst place they ever set? Like, they start, like, exchanging stories about, like, I went to this one place. It fucking sucked. Like, they sent me out here. No air conditioning. Three weeks, Three weeks watching a kid cough up toy trains and screwdrivers. Uh, you win. <laughs> but then, like, as they sort of like like they zoom out, and you see that they're very, very small against this giant ancient building that has a one little square window up, up, up in the corner of this panel. And we see mm. an ancient woman peeking out from behind a curtain, kind of watching everything go down. And then it cuts back to Aben, the BPRD agent in the scuba suit. They're approaching the shipwreck down in the water, and then it cuts back to the woman who takes out. These sort of like sea creature talismans and starts speaking to them in this ancient tongue that we've sort of heard around some sort of like, you know, Sumerian's cousin language where it's like yeah. the Anuns are coming out. Agat es, and like whispering to this, this like carving of a squid. And then what appears by Abe and the agent, but a giant fucking squid that starts to wrap itself around Abe and like choke him. Which is wild that like how, like there must be such magic because
1: Abe gets consumed and wrapped up in this, by this, the this tent tentacles. And that other agent just keeps on. Like, I have it's a like, mission.
0: <laughs> There's Or, I mean, I guess maybe he doesn't notice. And I think that's
1: part of the magic maybe of what she's, her, her like, what she's conjuring up to attack yeah which is pretty cool
0: and they show like this cool yeah he must just not notice because he just continues swimming straight towards the shipwreck doesn't doesn't even show any sign of surprise or anything he cuts back to the woman and she's fully like has these talisman like in encircling her that are all like gnarly looking fish basically we have like a cool eel (laughs) and like a fish with big teeth and all this cool stuff yeah, and yeah. she's still like doing this incantation. A cool like little zoom in of the eel talisman and then the eel emerges from the depths, like the whatever the like um debris at the bottom of the ocean, you know?
1: Yeah, he just he just seems to come right silt? out of the sand almost.
0: Silt, would you call silt? it? Silt? Good. I I'm not Jacques Cousteau, so <laughs> I have no way of knowing. Well, I am and it's silt. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So this creature sort of like slithers up and just chomps on this other BPRD agent's hand, and fucking wrestling move like body slams him into the bottom of the ocean. Abe, it looks so. It's like hard if you feel it. Like the dust kind of floats up, and you see like the action lines as he's like getting slammed down into the. And you get like a nice whoop. There's really good, really good like sound effects throughout this one. Total fear in this BPRD agent's eyes. And Abe is still struggling against now, not only against the, the squid, but like some sharks have shown up for backup and the eel is there and there's a ray and there's a piranha that's like, <laughs> uh, as the woman is like talking to a little piranha talisman, like, like you know, they're all attacking Abe and this other agent. Um, No, not now. Not yet. And that is the end of the first chapter. OK, not yet. Right there at not yet cool. is
1: where the chapter ends.
0: That makes t- sense. That's a good cliffhanger. Mm-hmm.
1: That is a good cliffhanger.
0: Woo. Woo, baby. <laughs> what is the, what are the, co- I, I'm not even looking at the covers, I just realized, too. What do the covers look like? Are they Mignola?
1: They're definitely Mignola. Um, I, I mean, the best source would be to go to, like, uh, the Hellboy fandom site. Yeah, I'm checking that They're out. definitely Mignola. The, f- the first one is, like, Abe, very cool, like, getting... Tr- tr- Attacked by squid tentacles, very simple. And then this next chapter two is like there's a bot, there's like a a body behind him that or a statue that's like roped up, and there's like, I mean, the best way to describe it, just looking at it, is like stakes in him, and then Abe, and then the butterfly, which these are all like sort of symbols we'll see in this next issue. Cool. It really is like, oh yeah, these, I see him here. These two covers. Yeah, these two covers are mostly, like, teasers to sort of, like, of what's to come in each, each issue. But they're very cool and slick, you know, with him and Dave Stewart, as always, doing covers.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess that's, so that's, like, St. Sebastian, right? With his little stabby, stabby stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. There you go.
0: Oh, archers shot him, I guess.
1: Oh, yes. I'm are going to tell us that in the story. Sweet. Is that the, the archers, he could, he took all the archery. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. I'm a dummy and don't remember everything,
0: but. Oh no, they literally start talking about it on the very next page. So like the first page of issue two. You're right. A hundred percent. You're right. This,
1: I just want to, as we continue, this has one of my favorite single like panels of just like where an image illustrates something. I love it. I love it.
0: I love it. Go on. Go on, Kate. Get us. Yeah, they're just talking about it's like a briefing in the chopper on the way to the island. So we're kind of cutting back in time a little bit where an agent's talking about how uh, St. Sebastian was martyred, shot with arrows, beaten with clubs, and he was considered a plague saint. This island used to be a leper colony and then it burned down. Uh, there's not really any neighbors around. So something happened that where it was like burned down by some accident that happened. Um, here's the cool thing. There was a priest living here at, at the time, and while the place was still burning, his ghost on fire appeared in the c- uh, cathedral and delivered a 45-minute sermon being um, on being kind to your less fortunate brothers. So, like, a burning ghost, basically, was, like, here. Like, some f- spooky shit happens on this island, basically.
1: And I love that they say that there was a hundred... 162 witnesses to that ghost
0: yeah i love and they that. <laughs> show like a cool shot of this ghost burning this like basically like a skeletal figure with its vestments on and everything with arms outstretched with like the the red the, i mean it's they're it's deceptively simple but this is such a cool feeling for uh, for him to capture with these like Church windows, these like arched church windows, yes. and just the red light coming in from the rest of the island being totally burnt, and hit, like the priest in the foreground with his fiery visage and shit, like, yeah, and like silhouetted yeah. hands. I absolutely love
1: that panel. That's and cool. that's again another thing where I'm like, you're just in one panel giving us a simple thing that on what it doesn't feel repetitive to what they told us. It just feels like a quick illustration. It just gives it, it like, it
0: gives the. a little flash of something exciting they're talking about this thing which is like oh interesting that's cool but then when you see it it's like horrific that's crazy like it really helps to kind of um like put a little exclamation point on on this scene you know and then the bprd agents are just talking about like oh yeah that must have been a big fucking show and they talk about how the French government took it over. They built this big, fancy, expensive church on there, basically hoping to get rid of all of the bad shit that's like all the bad kind of feeling that's surrounding this island. One of the BPRD agents like I saw a burning ghost back in Prague or in Prague back in 76. Horrible. You know, they're just like (laughs) talking to each other like that. And yeah, so it's like pretty isolated in the last hundred years. It's just an old fishing village. What more can we really say? It's the other agent says to Abe, like, that means it's boring. You know, Hellboy's the one who does all the cool shit. We don't really see anything. Cut back to that same agent. Cut back to the present. I love this. You see, like, the agent's face just totally, like, nonplussed in the helicopter as he's like, oh, we're not going to see shit. To him, fully terrified, eyes wide open in the scuba suit, being dragged down deeper into the ocean by an eel. And he's dead. Look
1: at, I mean, he is, I think he's, he's been sucked of his life because in that panel where the eel's now coming up, yeah, you see the bones and then he's just like, he looks like zombified or life completely sucked like the people we saw on the ship. Yeah. He looks totally like, it's like oh my God. Yeah. And that's so fast, too.
0: Yeah. Like immediately all this all this like dust at the bottom of the ocean rising up and like we see some other skeletons that have been left here. Yeah. The eel, the BPRD agent that he leaves behind is looks as though he's been dead for months and months. He's rough. Then you see this other cuts back to the woman, the old woman in the building saying, no, not now. And then the creatures release Abe and kind of scatter, like they go about uh-huh. on their way. So for some reason, she spares Abe. Abe is equally like just has a question mark, like I what? I don't know why that <laughs> stopped, but okay, good. And uh, the old woman continues to kind of talk, like I knew it would happen someday. I knew. Uh, I thought I would be ready. You know what to do, she says to this other guy. Is like yes. Takes this big container, like a trunk that's decorated with all of these yeah. ornate like sea creatures sort of embossed little thingies all around it. He's going to go keep that thing safe, whatever the hell that is. We don't know just yet. Go take <laughs> it to the place like I showed you. It's like all very vague and like creepy. The BPRD agents who are standing by watching with binoculars are like, what's that? I thought this was going to be boring. Oh, oh, whoops. And then this sort of like smoke starts rising from where the shipwreck was. And starts engulfing the entire town, Ooh. and sh- it's look, you know, it looks like Los Angeles two days ago when it's just engulfed by smoke. <laughs> it's
1: very there's re- a yellow, of Los yeah,
0: like a yeah. brown yellow sheen to every, you know, cover on everything. This sort of like what you would guess would be like her minion or whatever. You- you're not really sure. She says that's my good boy, so. I think maybe he says mother, so I think it might. Oh, be Oh, duh! Oh, yes. Okay, so that's her son. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot how early they told you that's who this guy was. Yeah. So her son is taking some this box down somewhere, where we're not sure where the place. He just he
1: just says that you know where to go because they can't. And you're you're he just tells him like you know where to go because they can't get in there.
0: Yeah, that's what
1: we all we get.
0: And then she she continues to talk. Over these shots, like these uh, panels of the town being engulfed with smoke and her son walking and Abe swimming Mm -hmm. and finding like the dead agent. Uh, She continues to talk and say, like, and now you devils come to me. I know what you are after, but you will not find it. Like sort of just like still having like some cool, creepy shit. Like she's been expecting somebody to come, basically, and she is not afraid. We see the six little guys, the six little brothers walking out of the ocean. Uh, walking up some stairs into the town where all of the people are lying dead or about to be dead from this smoke that's gathered around the town. And the woman continues to talk like, I can't save my people, not their bodies and not their souls. And one of the little guys, one of the little brothers, reaches down into a person's mouth. There's like something glowing, some glowing emanating from it. Grabs what looks like a little glowing moth. Yeah. Like a just like symbolic of the soul i would guess like that's that's what your little soul looks like and he pops it in his mouth this is for me (laughs) and now he's that's like the little glowing guy who's like floating around is like consuming all of these little moth soul moths as he goes really just spooky to see like a town full of people dead on the ground and these guys coming around collecting their souls and gobbling them up for who knows what at this point it's and there,
1: I love the 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 green glow that that uh, Dave Stewart has chose to contrast with this yellow hue that's now engulfed everything. Yeah, I think that's so cool because as soon as it like lights up, our guy gets his more life back and it lights up his eyes. You're just like, and the floating vert one of them is like the same green. It's just yeah, and he such starts cool like the very
0: first one that he eats too. He's like he looks very like mummified like the rest of the his, mm-hmm. his brothers. And then as he's continuing to, like, eat the souls, he's starting to flesh out a little bit more and look more human again. Um, Or hyperborean or whatever the fuck, you know, like.
1: Yeah, whatever they are. Yeah,
0: pre-human beings. Yeah, so Abe also emerges from the water, calls for Pratt and Hampton, the two BPRD agents who are waiting. He finds them slumped over, dead. And you hear the woman, like, you, you see her, like, narration over the, Abe watching, seeing that the town is like completely riddled with dead bodies at this point. Mm-hmm. The woman continues to call uh, devils come to me and these guys continue on. One of them takes out a little candle out of his uh, robe, uh, lights it with his finger with this uh, creepy green soul light. And in the sh- the shadow that it casts onto this little guy oh, yes. lifts up into this long like serpentine shadow creature, which is so spooky. I was like, Oh, this is crazy. It's just crazy. Like when a comic book could make you feel a little scared, you know, it's like, Oh, I
1: agree. It's so eerie.
0: It's like traveling around the town, like winding its way up and around buildings and stuff, presumably like searching for whoever trying to like find this woman. And the woman like continues to talk. She, it like, It it, we follow the shadow as it creeps into the woman's house and we see her talking some more like uh, calling to her father to give her power and be with me and give me strength. And um, I pray you look after my uh, but then she like senses something behind her turns around and this shadow creature has like huge clawed fingers that reach and you just see like a black panel with crunch So you assume Um, he he got her and he couldn't show up real good. Got her. Got her, dude. That's
1: that is one of my favorite builds in what we've read. Like I think that's such a cool, as you said, scary progression of this monster's powers. Like I love the creeping under the door up the staircase. Like it's just finding
0: There's like no stopping this thing. It's like, how do you stop a shadow from going? So it's really creepy. Oh, and she's also, and as crunch. she's talking, she's, like, speaking to this altar that is, like, all these crustaceans. Just, like, a, a, the very, like, sea-themed altar with a woman in the center holding a little fish. Yeah. But, yeah, she gets crunched. <laughs> <laughs> and then Abe, meanwhile, is, like, on the radio, like, hey, we got an emergency situation. Like, BPRD, can anybody fucking copy? Uh, we see the old woman's son continuing to travel in these, like, underground little tunnels. Uh he yeah. he moves aside a floor uh like a floor tile and emerges in some like big cavernous area. I assume it's the church yeah. that they've talked about. Yeah. Right? With like a huge arched ceiling and stuff like that. And you see like carvings and stuff behind him. As Abe is trying to reach the bureau, we see uh, someone emerge from the smoke what the hell were you thinking? And it's Hellboy. Whoa. What made you think you were ready for this? He starts, like, shitting on him right away. And, like, Abe is trying to explain, like, the professor said I was ready. Uh, the professor should have known better, and you do know better. You should have said no. These people might still be alive. So, like, you know, giving him this big guilt trip, which, yeah. it, you know, starts eating at him, and he sees, like, a flash of the dead agent and the, the two dead agents that were waiting for them on shore, and then, a, a like, this appearance of liz who's like they were my friends how did you how could you have done this so like his like guilty conscience probably merged with like some demonic energy yeah has like his friends and heroes basically being like you suck and you fucked up and all these people are dead because of you he throws the radio at slash through Hellboy. It hits the wall behind him. All the little demons are like, what was that? And they turn around and, you know, look at the sound. Abe has broken the radio. It's totally fucked. He just says, damn. <laughs> All of these little demons continue to the church door, but one starts to, like, walk back. Uh, we would yeah. guess towards Uh-oh. Abe. The little demon guys open the church door. The sun is in there. He's like, you can't come in here. He is there with the guy who is totally tattooed, who still has the dagger stuck in his chest. And he's like a little tiny man. Yeah, a little he's tiny guy. He yeah, he must be a little <laughs> tiny. I guess these guys are also tiny. These like devils or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you read about like Jesus was like four foot five or something. You know, like just like people were shorter. <laughs> yeah, Uh, that's the impression I got. And then, you know, he's like, oh, you can't come in here like uh, this is uh, what what the hell. And like the little guys are just walking in anyway. I know what you want, but you can't have it. And one reaches out and then his hand turns into this giant fucking claw with these razor sharp little, uh, you know, claws at the end of the long, creepy fingers. And you just hear from the outside swock. So you assume He's been basically taken care of. Whatever's going on here, Abe, you can't handle it. So just Abe's, like, doubt and fear is yeah. just being, he's, like, hearing it as though it's his friends telling him that he can't do it. I guess we'll see. And he comes across a statue of St. Sebastian with all of the, like, arrows and shit inside of him. Um, St. Sebastian. And that is the
1: end. That's the end right there? This, panel, this The panel, this is the end of chapter two.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> it go. it flows very... Well into each that's a testament to how well each one flows into the next each issue flows into that's the next. Because yeah. I didn't know when to stop and just kept reading the whole thing. I was like, this is long.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> I assumed
0: at a certain point I was like, oh, they just don't have the chapters in here, but I'll just finish it for because I want to know yeah. what happens.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great story. And I love in this final panel of like when he says, Well, I guess we'll see. I love the stacked perspective that Sean uh, jason sean alexander is given in here with with the uh, stewart's coloring because it's like we i love the choice to have abe and silhouette with that one line yeah then what's this it's the sebastian statue with all the arrows um and then in the far background is the church with now that glowing light yeah the green of these these demons and i love that i think that's just such a cool stacked A panel. I love that. It's
0: It's just great. Like this whole panel is great because along with like all of these layers you see a clear path of uh, like there are stairs and a clear path for Abe to follow. Like he knows exactly what he has to do. And guess what? You might get fucking martyred doing this. You might get killed in the line of this duty that you have to do. It's just such a great I mean it's just so thoughtful. Like each panel has been given so much thought I think Jason Sean Alexander is so killer with like this kind of this kind of layout and like I can see why Mignola would want to be like I'm gonna write something you're gonna draw it please yeah
1: totally because
0: he's just and just crushes these issues they're so cool
1: yeah I think his color and Dave Stewart just elevates his stuff too because I like that Dave Stewart's working with clearly Jason Sean Alexander's like his use of like like shadow on his figures and Mm -hmm. a lot of like deep blacks that he uses. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that again, Stuart just coming in and going like, I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm going to elevate. You already have something here. That's great. I'm just going to elevate it a little bit. And I think there's such, I love, I love the look of this again. It's, it's why I think it has like such weight to it. That grounding that it does. It feels like a very, like it feels like an HBO TV, like a high, quality hbo tv i show.
0: mean really i think when you <laughs> call when you when you say it reminds you of true detective i think that's a really fair comparison because it has this ominous feeling throughout it's been a minute since i watched true detective but um yeah
1: i wouldn't want to watch it again i'd rather read this
0: right yeah <laughs> let me get like real depressed again I, but it, it has that feeling too where you um aside from like the actual like dialogue which is so great like uh portraying abe's fear as the and doubt through the voice of his friends i think is a really interesting cool way to do it is rather than him being like i can't do it he's hearing hellboy being disappointed in him it's like his worst fear possible is like not only am i fucking this up but like everybody who counted on me and was depending on me and who i have grown to love the only real really the only people that i know since being discovered now fucking now they hate me and they, they think I suck. And you know, it's like such a great, interesting way to, to portray that. Really cool.
1: I agree. And I think it's a cool choice that Mignola has really done a great job of not being heavy handed with this, that he's chosen. This is our, our first, this is technically Abe Sabian's first mission for the BPRD and it doesn't feel that heavy handed. Like we have dialogue that that talks about that, of them being like, is he ready or not? Mm-hmm. But it never, it just feels natural. It doesn't feel like this is your first mission. Don't fuck it up or heavy. I think other writers would be very like on the nose about it and driving it home.
0: The pressure all comes from himself, really. It's his own. Yeah, yeah it's his own. In his mind, he's, he's like, oh, everybody's counting on me and I, I could fuck up, which is really how how I think a realistic way of, of how like you feel, you're like, I'm scared. I'm going to fuck this up really for the repercussions of like my friends. Like I'm going to, I've already like killed people and, and that would make your like anxiety go through the roof. If like, Oh, I'm so bad. Shit's happening, but I still have to continue on and finish this mission. I
1: agree. And I, it's what I'm really liking this story. Yeah. Is just that, that those choices that I think other writers or other, uh, people would sort of like over overdo it with
0: <laughs> yeah it's just handled so so professionally yeah it's really really great and i like that we're getting a
1: little bit of like it's i like that he's informing us more of about a character that we only like for us reading chronologically we only learned uh gray's name we only learned his name very not a long time ago yeah And we've, and he definitely looks different. He's a different figure, Edward Gray. And, but like, I like this backstory of just brief story of his just showing like, okay, he was sort of like a, a badass in his own self, but a different, for different reasons. And you're like, who is this guy? But it's, it's not taking focus and losing sight that this is Abe's story. You know what I mean? Very cool.
0: I like the way he draws Hellboy too, man. I do
1: too. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how much I liked hellboy from the other story he drew yeah he's really cool like, he has a lot of strength to him and again i think you pointed this already out kate earlier jason uh always finds ways to to show character through like their positioning of their body yeah. and when we first see hellboy the way he's like clearly like holding his body and sort of like has like like a, a slump to him gives a lot of attitude to his line of like what made you think you were ready for this?
0: Yeah, I think like I, even when when he's first like shrouded in s- smoke and shadow, he looks so menacing. He he looks like a villain. Like I think it's yeah. like one you it could be a misdirect where you think a big bad thing is about to c- come kill Abe, but it's also like Abe's that is his that is a huge fear of his that he is going to disappoint Hellboy, and mm-hmm. and in this other panel where he emerges in and is in the light. He holds himself like Hellboy, but the composition of it—he's like huge, above, towering above Abe. Yeah. He's giant and like uh, just looking down at Abe, making Abe feel literally and and emotionally small. Yeah, it's great. It, it's great emotion.
1: <laughs> it, it is. It's great. Like illustration and simplicity of writing that allows Abe's own psychological and emotional state. To be on the page for us. yeah, and it and we've seen this sort of done and it's it you you could call out this kind of storytelling as like of imagining people as cliche, but when it's like handled like this, it feels so fresh and new and I love it yeah. And reread and like and this is a comic that's like what from two thousand eight and it feels new when we're reading it for the first time. It's yeah. great. It's so cool. Any favorite panels or anything that stood out that you want to just
0: call out? I mean, that final panel with the St. Sebastian statue that Abe's looking at is just really cool in how much it says visually. Like, I think that's really great. But fav- oh, maybe the shadow, Uh, the shadow of the guy starting to like creep up and yeah, slither around on the buildings and stuff. I think that's pretty, cr- that might be my fave. Yeah, I'm a big fan
1: of, uh, in the first issue, um, with Abe like that one panel where at the top of the page, it shows the like talisman of the squid. And then it just shows like uh, Abe just from the waist down the, the tentacles have just completely wrapped it, wrapped him up. I love yeah. that. And then in the second chapter, of course, some things I've already mentioned, like the, the burning priest is amazing, but I think my favorite panel, uh, and it's almost like with Jason, I like in, in maybe of Mignola's writings, assisting this is like, a lot of his favorite stuff are like panel, like two panels together. Like what I just said, like the talisman and Abe telling me a short story in, within this. I love the shadow with you, where you mentioned, I love that big emerging shadow over the woman. And then the blank panel with just a crunch. I think that is yeah. fucking awesome.
0: Creepy. Dude. <laughs> like
1: it make like if I was in a movie, I'd be like, huh ah! like there'd be an emotional, there's an emotional response to that moment from you as a reader. Oh. Yeah.
0: Love There's it. definitely like the other senses are so are 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 brought up so well by these drawings like they're it's really great. Yeah. Oh, I mean, also like Abe sitting in his tank talking to Liz. Oh. Like if I had to have like something like hanging on the wall, I think that one's like really cool. I
1: think you're right about that. And the, and I would say my other my other third favorite is so silly and I love it. And I think it's illustrating those two panel like sort of moments that I love in this story is. I love the, the panel uh, where it shows like the close-up of Abe's hand holding the broken radio and then yeah. and then the wide shot next to it in that panel of him just saying, "Damn." I think that's yeah so simple and fucking great. Like, wow, that's, it's hard to pick one. It is. Again it's, hard. it's great work and it's like it is hard to pick one, but I love those. I love that he, they're just yeah. it's simple, good storytelling that we're seeing in this. And I like seeing it's like fun to a character that we've grown to love. And we in the BPRD have been watching Abe explore who he is. And it's cool to get a I mean, maybe I'm being a little like repetitive, but like it's cool to go back to his first story and not be so heavy handed and letting us inform it a little bit because we've read so much of his future. You know what I mean? So it's like Mignola is right, like smart right. enough not to be heavy handed. He's allowing us to go. Wow, we cu- we know where Abe's gonna end up, and this is showing us just a glimpse of where he started. And I love that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see a character develop after you already know how he's developed. You know, like I guess that's like any prequel kind of thing. Is, that's like why it's interesting, but but you could be go
1: you could go off the rails and get really winky with it or like heavy handed, right. like hey guys, this is a reference to down the line.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's just cool the way yeah they the the things that they show you like he's always read all of these books like he's always had a great mind, but his confidence is something that gets developed as he, you know, his confidence in the field and all that stuff, like. Is something that he really had to work on. Clearly, it's great. While we're reading
1: this, and you, uh, you went ahead and finished it all, I haven't finished it yet, to be honest. But it's yeah f- from gleaming off just these first two issues. If like somebody that hasn't read this was like, hey, what should I read about Abe Sabian? I might go if you just want and like they're like, I don't want to read a lot. I just want like a an idea of him. I might you know a cool companion piece would be read the drowning. And then go read Garden of Souls just to give you an idea of like where he comes from and where he ends up. And there's there's definitely more to come. But then I'm like, I would say, read those two as companion pieces. If you like those, read everything in between. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a dumb way to do it. But that's, I just think they're cool companion pieces as somebody that like really has grown to love Abe as an equal to Hellboy.
0: Yeah, totally. It's a good, it's good stuff. It's real good. (laughs) I'm
1: liking it. I do. And I love, I mean, yeah, I think Mignolo's really like, he's always been a good writer. And even as you've said, he's, but this, it shows a different style he's bringing to it, but he's still great. Like,
0: I think it's similar. Like, you know, his own confidence is growing. He's writing more dialogue. Like it's, it's like his sparseness in the beginning, which, which still it's like he would like write, dialogue in ways that where it's like he would have the villain's big long monologue and then hellboy kind of undercutting that with like all right pal like you know like something something small and very contrasting um but i think that his like his subtle and like regular human interaction has grown a lot Mm -hmm. or at least his confidence in his own writing has grown so he's like really displaying it a lot more now totally like, he, you know, and it's it's not like something that, like, he hasn't really done before or has never shown us before. But this is just I think you can really see how good it is and, and how far he's come writing wise in these uh, couple of issues. Like, he's, he's definitely been developing it the whole time and has always had, like, you know, uh, like, that's not to say he was ever bad at it, but he's definitely feels like he's better at it. Like, that's the sense I get.
1: I agree. I I can only agree.
0: Not to like put words in his mouth, obviously, but But, yeah, just my impression.
1: I think that's a great, I think that's a great takeaway, Kate, and great input and insight. That's cool. I like that. Any off of that or anything that you, off of those thoughts or anything just from reading the story, anything that you would suggest for our readers to watch, read, listen to, enjoy that's inspired
0: by any of this? (sighs) I don't know. This is like such a weird cool thing. Yeah.
1: I I have one that when you described the villains, the demons as brothers, it made me <laughs> it made me think of this old children's book which is which is very it's also it's it's controversial because it in it uh um it's known to like promote ethnic stereotypes. But it is this old children's book called The Five Chinese Brothers. And I remember reading it as a kid and it's about these Chinese brothers and like they have superpowers in a sense. Like one has, it's like one can stretch his legs to incredible lengths. One has an unbreakable iron neck. One, uh, he can hold his breath forever. And it, it's like a short little story. And it just made me think of that. It's an old children's book. That's like, I wouldn't promote oh, cool. it as something to be like, Hey, you should read this and think that all Chinese people are like this. But it is sort of like, I remember reading as a kid going, this is cool, they have these superpowers.
0: <laughs> oh, well, like all Chinese people have like awesome superpowers? Yeah. I guess that's not the worst stereotype in the world. <laughs> and I mean, the, the story's wild because it's... <laughs> it says, yeah, it's, it's true. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> But it's I, I'm
1: rereading like what the story was about because I don't remember much, but it says, they, they there's like a fisherman and it says, the man is accused of murder and sentenced to death. However, one by one, his four brothers, Assume his place by switching roles through the ruse of convincing the judge to let them return home briefly to their mother goodbye. And each time they try to execute this guy, each one's superhuman ability allows them to survive. So, like, they, they try to behead they the They try people. to hang
0: him, and his neck is... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's insane. And I was like, that's funny. That's a children's book.
0: I was just about to say that. I was like, this is an intense children's book. Yeah. Oh, I guess, you know what? I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I recently watched on Shudder Q, The Winged Serpent. Ooh. Uh, and it was pretty fun. I watched the, like... It, have you ever watched any, like, Joe Bob Briggs stuff? I don't think so. It's like... He's like a horror, he's been a horror movie host for like 30 years or whatever. Basically along the same lines as like an Elvira or something where it's like, Uh. here's a character, I'm introducing the movie, I'm telling you some facts about the movie. And then like every now and then the movie will stop as though a commercial break is happening, but it's like him interjecting with like, oh, this other thing. And like, there's like slight controversy around this man because he's just like an old grandpa and doesn't say shit very like. Um, I, I don't know you know there's stuff that he could it, it, I think he's like a pretty he, he's as woke as like an old Texas grandpa could be you yeah. know like he's he's got like a pretty good understanding of of like some shit Right. but he like says stuff in a very like he says stuff in a like a very blunt way that like he might not be everybody's flavor but I thought that he did a great job hosting and was very funny giving information about (laughs) cue the winged serpent on on uh shutter so yeah if you guys have shutter check that out oh that's great
1: my only other thing i would suggest just off of the squid stuff if you have disney plus you can get this immediately or you can go somewhere else probably to rent it but you should everybody if you haven't seen it you should check out the old movie from 1954 disney's 2000 leagues under the sea uh starring old kurt douglas uh, was the star of that movie, and James Mason plays the, I believe, Nemo, uh, Captain Nemo, and uh, Peter Lorre's in it. It's it's just a great early, you know, fantastical movie where they have cool old classic special effects. And I remember it always just being cool, like especially the squid attacks, pretty pretty fucking rad.
0: I've never seen it, but I do know like that's like referenced the squid attack. It's twenty thousand, right? Twenty thousand. What, did, 000, I what did I say? What did I say? 2,000.
1: Yeah, I meant 2,000. No, it's 20. You're 100% right. It's (laughs) 20,000.
0: 2,000 plus another 18. I'm a
1: fucking idiot.
0: (laughs) No, you're not, dude. Yeah, 20,000 leagues under the sea. 2,000
1: leagues under the sea is the prequel. I I don't catch myself so fast because I don't have Beth here with me cackling from the other room about my mistakes oh my God.
0: <laughs> i'll do it to jess every now and then uh but i it just know it's never it's never to like catch you or something you know yeah jess just has dyslexia so she doesn't she like skips letters or words sometimes
1: i probably have that too and just never been diagnosed
0: <laughs> <Right>. maybe <laughs> well i'm just idea yeah, that little was bit... not a burn i'm just saying you know no well, i, I feel like i, I don't take know. it
1: as a burn I talk okay, good. I talk dumb sometimes. Me talk
0: dumb. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, it's, everybody should check that out because apparently it did also, it was an Academy Award-winning best art direction and best special effects when it came out. Cool. So Hell yeah. That's my two suggestions. This has been a great read. Uh Kate, you've read it all. I gotta get on top of it and finish the yeah, next it's two fun. chapters. I'm excited to continue reading to find out what happens to Abe. Um listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the drowning. Um, or anything we've talked about on this podcast uh, episode or any past episodes or the future episodes, you can reach out to us and give us your thoughts at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we are podcast. Twitter's awcraphellboy. Um, we really appreciate you guys commenting on anything we post. We Just reminder that if you do want to be, uh, for us to voice your, your thoughts We do that through email. Uh, We do respond to and communicate with you through those other platforms. We just typically keep uh, the the podcast for the emails. Um, But then there's something I would love to ask you all to do out out there that are listening. If you could, please, on whatever platform you choose to listen to us, rate and review us. Now, if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, uh, or if you're not, please go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts Give us a five-star review um, and uh, rate us. If if that review starts with the word boom, we will read your review right here on the podcast. Again, that's a five-star review starting with the word boom. We will give you a big old shout-out, praise you, read that review. We call that Boom Reviews. So go on there. Give us a good old boom review. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: But that's it. I'm really excited to continue reading The Drowning so I can finally talk about it in full with Kate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love that you couldn't find the chapters and you just read it as a full story. It's like like you watched a feature film. I love it. (laughs) But that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening. And remember... We love you!
0: Wait, hold on yeah. one second. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I'm reco- I want to make sure I'm recording us talking about getting caught jerking off. <laughs> hold on. I- My, like, thing is frozen or some shit. Oh, hello, you. What's up, host? I'm Mary Kay McBrayer. I'm Mary Amelia Bayer. I'm Rachel Estrich, And we like scary movies. Let's be more specific. We like analyzing scary movies. Okay, but let's be a little bit more specific. We like making fun of scary movies. Let's be even more specific. We have to make fun of scary movies so that we can sleep at night. We host a horror comedy podcast called Everything Trying to Kill You that rips all your fave horror movies a new one. And bonus, we'll tell you jokes from the perspectives of feminist ethnic minorities and queer women. Which might be something you haven't considered before. Sure looks like Hollywood hasn't. So check out Everything Trying to Kill You. New episodes every other Friday on Campfire Media. Campfire.